0: hello and welcome to the bacon fruit podcast uh i am hosting this week this is Braden sullivan and uh, i am joined across the table in the final day of the original studio uh Patrick Forte, did I? I don't you remember missed, how I set that up. You missed a few words. Okay, but that's <laughs> I'm okay. joined by Patrick Forte in the last day of our inaugural studio.
1: That's true. Yeah,
0: uh, that's not exactly true. We're getting uh, the carpet in here replaced with either vinyl or the other one. Uh, laminate. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Hopefully vinyl, because uh, there's a child now. <laughs> That was loud. That was very loud. And um, if things get spilled on the floor, uh, it'll be easier for them to be cleaned. That is a factual statement yeah. uh, These are some old carpets. yeah the carpets
1: kind of gross. definitely mm-hmm. happy Seiko.
0: Yeah uh, it'll be there'll be some new challenges because uh, it will also kill our like audio um, yeah we're having to... like a new hard floor. Or crispy floor. It's not hard like calling it hard makes me think hardwood. It's not hardwood.
1: No. But you're right, like this is a great room because it absorbs the sound really well. Yeah. Um it was better when it was full of stuff, but um even now like it's still pretty good. There isn't really an echo. Not too much. Um so yeah, we'll have some audio
0: challenges, but we'll figure it out. It'll be fun. Do. Maybe we'll, we'll have like an actual almost kind of studio. Like the room itself will just look better. So even if at that point we have like guests on the show, uh, I wouldn't mind like them being down here. <laughs> That's true.
1: We can put our physics. <laughs> Currently
0: it'll be like, hey, you want to come in my basement? And they yeah. come and it's all dungy and, or dingy. Dingy. <laughs> dungy sounds a little cooler though. <laughs> Dungy's a like a dingy dungeon. Oh, man. The only problem is like there's this post in the middle of the room.
1: Yeah, this is a very oddly designed
0: room. I so the, the whoever was the the architect or whoever who built these houses made an identical set in Portland Estates, except he put like a proper crossbeam on the floor. So, the, what, so now there's no post in those
1: basement ones. Which is like what any like structural engineer worth their salt or architect would have thought of because this is like the stupidest design possible having uh, a post almost literally in the middle of the room. It just It's off by a little bit. It
0: probably would have been better if it was in the middle of the room. Yeah,
1: then you could like work around it, but it's just like slightly off center.
0: Yeah, so um, it's kind of like, I can't see the TV from where I am. It's just kind of there.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's a very
0: fascinating choice. I am thinking about turning it into like a cat post, yeah, or like a small child's play toy thing somehow. I don't know. I'll I figure don't know. it out. Then again, if he knocks it over, there goes the house. So. Yeah. Well, who needs a house, right? It's true. Oh my god! I can hear birds yeah, chirping. No. We're in the <laughs> we're in nature today. This is a this is a wonderful setting. Yeah, um, yeah we're uh, this one's kind of like not a full on episode. It's almost like a. Like a prelude episode? Maybe? Yeah, I think sort of a good term. We we kind of stumbled upon a topic that we want to talk about, um, but we kind of want to do it in a more full-blown episode. But we figured we'd start with some hot takes because we need something to record this week. We, we want to get back in the rhythm and uh, get back in the habit. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I just want to, uh, I don't know, touch on the reception we've gotten a little bit with the parenting podcast episodes. Uh, I've gotten some, like nice messages and stuff from some people and and uh and Courtney has as well and a lot of like holy shits (laughs) and and
1: high viewership numbers as well
0: yeah hard to know if they're bots but yeah they're really
1: (laughs) random uh like what do we call them listens views I don't know
0: I think because they're not views like there's nothing there is a word for them actually it's Uh, not listens though listeners it might just be listeners
1: yeah, but you need, like, a verb. Like, you say you had X views on your YouTube video.
0: It would be downloads, but no, I don't think verb, that really sorry, makes but sense. But,
1: like, a, an adjective.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Regardless, or irregardless, if you're one of those people. Those people don't exist, because irregardless <laughs> is an award. I know, but people say it. I know, and I don't like them. Um, yeah, thanks for listening to those episodes. It was That was a cool thing you did uh courtney did great yeah she she seemed like she total natural out of
1: the park for her first podcast appearance ever
0: yeah uh a lot of table tapping but uh <laughs> yeah. well it
1: takes a while to get used to brayden used to do that
0: yeah time. i literally was just doing it earlier in the episode today um, like but right now so.
1: yeah i guess if you're new to the bacon fruit experience um from that episode or those i guess that series of episodes uh welcome um this is our normal format we ramble for a little while before we get into anything of yeah. actual
0: um substance yeah substance that's the word i was searching uh, for and yet th- uh there's not much substance yet we're kind of still in rebuild mode uh with um you know having a new kid T- yeah. time is a little more difficult
1: that podcast <laughs> should have um uh, explained well enough why uh why we haven't been as regular as normal. Uh, Not a
0: fiber in our yeah, podcast. As eye. We,
1: regular <laughs> as we used to be. And, and also, you know, why, uh, why we are kind of in a reboot mode. We're figuring out kind of um, a good format and a, a good schedule that, that will work with, with, um, with our respective schedules. So
0: Yeah, and uh, actually, kind of to touch on that, so um, we both started reading a book, which is a hefty book. It's a beast. Uh, with the intention of like doing probably more than one episode. Like it might be end up being can, another series we can of episodes. Get quite a few
1: episodes out of that. Uh,
0: we are reading Capitalism in the 21st Century, which is written by a Frenchman. I do uh, not know his
1: Thomas uh, Piketty.
0: Piketty. Okay. Yeah. I am listening to it on Audible. Uh,
1: How is that, by the way? Uh, listening to it on Audible. The guy
0: who's narrating it doesn't sound real. Like, he sounds like a, a automated voice. Really? isn't uh, It's very clear and, like, well-articulated and everything like that. It's just the way, like, the in, intonation, is that the word in it? Yeah. Or whatever it is. It's just, it's kind of got a weird, unnatural sound to it. Uh, it's fine. Like, it's the the... Subject matter is dense, so it can get a so, little hard to read. So here's a question, because,
1: uh, you know, for, for your standard fiction book, uh, you know, audiobooks are fine, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but a book like this, because you've listened to kind of both styles, a book like this, which is denser and requires a lot of kind of thinking about what you're reading, and even has like graphs and stuff in it, uh, how do you find that in the audio format?
0: Uh, it doesn't really matter if it's like fiction or not or like a resource book or whatever. Uh, it's a little harder. Like I'm new to listening to audiobooks, so maybe I'll kind of figure it out. But it's harder to realize when you're ready to listen to a book. Like, so I'll pop it on. Uh, like today I went for a run, so I was listening to it. And um, like I'll list, try and listen to it like on the drive to work and stuff like that. Um, but like sometimes... I remember the other day I was driving home from work I put it on and I was like cool like uh you know I had a coffee like I feel pretty good like just gonna have a pretty basic drive home whatever and within like two minutes I was thinking about like groceries or something and I realized I just missed everything that the guy was saying for I don't know how long and I was just like oh I need to pay attention so I hit like rewind or whatever right and then a minute later I'm back to thinking about groceries or something and I'm like okay I can't listen to it right now like so when it's a book, I know that I do this when it's a book. Like, I'll be reading and I'll realize I haven't been paying attention or whatever. I don't do it as much as I used to.
1: Yeah, I, I, I've gotten a lot better.
0: And well I think that's after. a discipline thing. Like, I think now I only read when I know that I want to read. Whereas when I was younger, it was, like, for classes or something. So it was more that I had to rather than um, than I was choosing to. Did I just hear the baby cry? Yeah, I can hear the baby Shit. in my Man, this humidity is just making him mad. Yeah, so the
1: listeners can hear the baby crying in the background for sure, because I can hear it in my headphones.
0: Uh, well, there he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I'm trying to get better at knowing when I'm ready to listen to it and when I'm not. Um, sometimes the subject matter takes over, and I'm like, okay, I am really into this explanation right now of what the guy's into. But like on my run today, he was going into numbers and public debt and a bunch of other stuff, and I'm just like i my head is not really here for this right now uh and also not being able to see the numbers and like the math formula and stuff yeah having i feel to hear like that would dictated. be
1: difficult like I, I i can't imagine like having a math textbook read to me or something i feel like that would be really hard
0: there are also like graphs and stuff that yeah, he references, are but graphs.
1: he explains the graphs pretty well yeah
0: like i don't need to see the graphs to understand what they're like, he's like, it says this thing. I'm like, all right, fine. he'll usually
1: on. like have a page like just talking about what the graph is, and then you'll look at the graph like for me who's reading it um, on paper. Yeah. and so you know he's like this u-shaped graph represents this, and on either side you get this and this so like he explains it well enough that you don't even need to look at the graph. you're like, okay, I get you
0: yeah, and um yeah, like our we did an episode sometime last year, I think about socialism uh, I think it, or we did a se- the summer series on socialism yeah, that was, was that was a year ago uh and so we kind of were talking about like we should actually do a few more of these types of things about kind of these different perspectives on like the balance between like social well-being and money basically uh and kind of how things should be run and structured so i think a series on capitalism or you know something like that will be sort of what spawns out of going through this book and maybe some other stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, this book um, is particularly, or I'm particularly enjoying it because of the historical perspective that it gives. Like, he goes back, especially with the French data, he's got, like, 300 years of of national income data and stuff like that, Um, which is fantastic because you can, it allows him to, to really paint a picture of how income inequality has um has or has not changed over the years and, and what it looks like and, and what effects it yeah kind of and... look at the causes because you can see the kind of blips in the data based on various historic events and whatnot. Um, yeah,
0: especially the wars. Like those are yeah. big um I guess we get the impression a lot that the wars were kind of almost cataclysmic in a way that they restructured the world. And some of the ways that he presents it is, like, it kind of... Things sort of just kept trucking along. Like, there was this event, and it had major changes. But, like, the math and the trends still kind of continue on in these ways and these patterns that didn't seem overly...
1: Yeah, the, the thing that really changed, I think, was the politics from the wars, right? Like, it was the the necessity for governments to basically rein in uh, people's wealth so they had funds to, to spend on these wars and stuff um, so you looked at you know income taxes went way up and um,
0: or well we're even tr- introduced in the first place yeah like so one of the things was um, after the french revolution they introduced like a property tax and so he was able to or, and someone before him, I can't remember the guy's name, started actually having some amount of data on what people had accumulated, like, as capital. Um, but then in the United States, I think, once income tax is implemented, that's where the record started with with their kind of history. So there's only a few hundred years of, if that, of actually knowing what people make and own Um but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. It just it can get dense.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely a dense read. But I think like once we're done, it'll be um, distilling it down. We'll be able to have some really good discussions on kind of the essence of the book and and a lot of the different because he kind of breaks it down into four different parts, and each one has like a different uh, a different kind of overview of. of something so um, yeah I think it will it will lead to some really good discussions and some it's got a lot of information like there's a lot of information that he goes through it's 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 obvious that he did his work
0: uh, yeah well I think he even mentions some um, all the different schools and the different people and professors and other research people that were involved in kind of combing through what sounds like all of the data that exists well, <laughs> its almost the impression i got
1: one of the things that i thought was very poignant that he pointed out was um you know this is basically only possible now because back in the day you know even 50 years ago 40 years ago people spent so much time just sifting through the data itself that they didn't really have time for the analysis and whatnot um just so computer technology has allowed us to go through data and compile data and basically get it into a usable format so much easier than has ever been done before. So people who worked with this data in the past who tried to do kind of large longitudinal studies had to spend so much time just getting the data to something that they could use um, that they didn't really have a chance to put, put in the time for all of that analysis and stuff. Right. So um, I guess like, we can we have the ability now to do things that we could never do in the past even though the data was available we can really only get the information that we need from it thanks to you know python scripts and all that stuff (laughs) excel yeah more or less (laughs) um yeah so
0: yeah uh so yeah that's kind of a little take on like what we're working on there's not really a scheduled date yet i think i've been reading that for listening for two weeks now maybe and i think i'm like a quarter of the way through the book
1: yeah i think we'll shoot for the end of the summer hopefully
0: yeah that seems pretty reasonable um Um, but like aside from that actually i like today's kind of hot take topic i think we'll kind of build that out into an episode probably sooner like maybe we can even get that on the next yeah. Like a more full one on the next one because that's just a little bit more like you know, looking through articles and things like that, not reading a 600 page book about finances or economics yeah, exactly. or whatever, right? The, like
1: national incomes and
0: yeah. Um, but this episode kind of spawned just recently, I guess, um, or at least with a more focused idea um, of the topic. And, uh, it kind of started, or at least I started seeing the question pop up after, um, uh, Sarah Sanders was kicked out of the restaurant or something during all of this immigration crisis stuff that's going on in the, the United States Southern border. Actually, I don't even think it's just the Southern border, right? Like the coastal cities also get, what are they? Are they called migrants? I don't know. Asylum seekers. Yeah. Um, But the the question of basically how far um, do people need to push um, like civil protest, I suppose, in order to actually get progress or get people to listen or get stuff to happen. Because there's backlash about like, oh, that's not right. Like you can't do these things. Those are breaking the rules about... um, how you're we supposed to be angry about stuff. <laughs> it sounds like a weird way to put it. Yeah. Um, and that just kind of, kind of sent me on a little bit of a path sort of trying to look up more historical elements about, you know, how did major changes in, um, like social progress happen in the past, um, like all around the world really. And, we like we look at things in the past like either like civil rights movements or like the abolition of slavery or independence of uh India from or I mean I actually I've had that question with like Canada and India and other commonwealth countries about like we're we are independent countries but we're not really well we you know what i mean now, like we still have a queen yes
1: though we did where do we break that line i guess no pierre trudeau did kind of repatriate our constitution and yeah okay so things have have changed a little bit and and
0: it really is just for show now
1: yeah and, and there aren't really republicans in canada in the truest sense of the word not like american republicans but like republicans in the sense of people who are pro like republic republic getting rid of the the monarchy and the commonwealth you don't really ever hear that talk though it is big in like australia and stuff like that you do get a lot of the, those rumblings so um yeah but that's i mean it just doesn't really affect our anybody really so
0: it's true i guess um that was we love tangents on the show we kind of just have thoughts and then need to work them out um but yeah just to kind of bring that back to it when we look back on changes that have happened it's kind of almost it goes into that whole like uh history is written by the victor that's a little bit of a different way of just saying that history gets written one way um and you kind of lose the details like the nitty-gritty about what how things actually unfolded at that time Like at any moment, you're, you know, you're living through history and stuff changes slow. Um, You know, you can look back on a 10-year span and you can pick three highlights and you're like, wow, those were the things that changed. But while you're actually living through those 10 years, it feels like forever, right? And people have opinions about how progress is made and stuff like that. And you lose sight of a lot of the little battles and the little things that happen to get those big points of change, right? So that's kind of a big mind dump of where this sort of idea this episode is going because um, we want to look on a little bit more historical perspective to to see i guess like what worked in the past or like it looked like things maybe were going to change anyway in certain cases um but some stuff had to get a push uh yeah and I, uh, for today's episode i guess like what are our current sort of impressions on what has to be done for like progressive change before we actually start kind of opening the books sort of that's sort of I guess the goal you well know, it's to start to get start to get us thinking about it as we kind of start right, looking into so- stuff
1: I think like that's a very interesting question, and we live in a particularly privileged situation. As in, like we are in, you know, a very wealthy country. We have a democracy, so, you know, our concept of what needs to be done for progressive change would be different from somebody who lives in China or, uh, you know, a, a, a an authoritarian government, right? Um, because obviously your ability to protest things is considerably mitigated in an authoritarian regime um so you know here in canada we have uh, freedom of protest peaceful protest and all that stuff um and we're lucky enough that we don't have the kind of political destabilization that you see going on in some places in europe and you know in the united states with, with donald trump um things are fairly stable here um that being said there's we're still riddled with issues um and and you know i guess the um you know the the book uh, capital in the 21st century brings up kind of the largest one and and this isn't just a canadian issue but this is a global issue like as as a private citizen how do we deal with you know this this mounting and growing inequality um because really that is you know, for kind of the white middle-class males like you and I, that's a, a huge issue. Um, you know, we're not faced with with like civil rights movements and things like that, um, and we'll get into that later about kind of the importance of us doing things f- for that for those movements. Um, but you know, we're faced with the directly with the more kind of global uh, scales like that, and and in that respect, you know, you remember the Occupy Wall Street movement? Yep. Like, it, it garnered a lot of news and press, but they didn't really have an idea of what they wanted to accomplish. They kind of just drew attention to the issue. Yeah. Um, but they didn't really say, this is what we want. They just kind of said, yeah, there's, you know, we are the 99%. Um, and... So, so that, that kind at of at
0: best, it like changed vocabulary, maybe. Yeah, it it definitely
1: brought that into the common vernacular, like the idea of the one percent and and the ninety nine percent. But you know, so that being said, like I think there's always a place for these kind of civil protests because if nothing else, they draw attention to the to the subject. Um, so yeah, in, in Canada. You know not a whole lot is going on. If you look south of the border, though, there is considerable things that that they're fighting, you know, be it immigration or now it looks like with Trump's potential Supreme Court pick, um, they're gonna be fighting the abortion debate again. Um, you know, there are so many issues with women's rights and all that stuff. Um, so I think there's plenty of things in the modern day
0: yeah, like kind of just actually to touch back on what you were saying about the Occupy Wall Street movement, like it made a lot of noise, right? Like and in the American history or whatever, like you know they they'll reference like the million man march on Washington and things like that, right? Um, but it seems more and more like there was a protest um after Trump's inauguration. Um, for women. There's been, there's a march, actually there was a march, I think, organized about the immigration stuff on the 30th. I don't even remember seeing headlines about yeah, it, though I a, haven't really been in the news. There
1: have been gun control marches recently uh, because of the Parkland survivors. And
0: and they're not, like I think the the idea of how it's supposed to work, I believe, in kind of the, the idea of like, you know, civil protest or whatever is, you get enough attention and then ideally your representatives will be like oh people are mad about this and then vote accordingly to right to your protest in a pessimistic view they vote in according to the protest because they don't want to lose their job of being your representative not because they want to do it out of the goodness of which i think honestly is
1: mostly what happened
0: right Except neither of those seem to be working now, right? And I think that's where people are starting to be like, well what else are we supposed to do? You know, and again, a lot of this is just happening in the States. Like it's there's there's a lot happening at one time, I think is is why there's so many examples. Like there was huge like net neutrality um protests and stuff, and they there's a whole slew of arguments about like were like, where all these protests ignored, like, they made fake, well, I think the FCC, or the allegation is the FCC generated fake feedback in support of abolishing net neutrality and a bunch of other crazy shit like that, but the idea of the representative representing the people is in having a schism, basically. Um, that's the right word, right? Like a break? Yeah. Like schism, a split or whatever? Works, yeah and so that i feel is making people more desperate like you try something enough times and you don't get results what are you going to do next the system that is in actually i don't know if it's in the uk or other countries as well but like we have a major election every 4 4 or 5 years for
1: yeah it's it's most you know I think that's
0: kind of the format.
1: Typically, kind of do that.
0: And I feel like in modern times, that almost feels. People probably feel like that's not fast enough. Maybe.
1: Well, I I think you hit the you crux of the, crux of the argument, argument, argument when you said that. People um, don't feel represented by their representatives. I think the issue is no matter. You know, and the states is is obviously one of the worst examples of this, but um i think everywhere in the world that that you have uh democratic representation people feel this and it's that um your representatives seem to have other interests uh, not the people who elected them but other people um and usually their interests are you know wealthy people that are helping finance things or paying for whatever in their, um, writings or, um, you know, doing all sorts of things, uh, maybe going to give them nice kickbacks when they leave and, and give them a sweet job or whatever it is. Um, typically it seems like their interests lie with those people and not with the 99%. Um, and I think that's the problem that people don't feel represented. You elect somebody to go to, um, parliament and in canada um you know you elect your your mp and really they don't do anything even if they're in the party the power and party uh party and power sorry um they're just a person that kind of sits there typically especially if you have a backbencher or something they're not really going to do anything um maybe they're if you, there for voting power yeah basically. maybe if you get a minister they might have a little bit of say but it seems like it's we just you're electing like a a prime minister and who has all of the power and that's not the system that we're supposed to have. Right. And and I can see why people get disenfranchised and, and, you know, disenchanted with the system because, you know, we elect our representative Andy Fillmore and you can't name a single thing that he's done, um, because he doesn't have any power. Um, you only ever hear about Justin Trudeau, this Justin Trudeau,
0: that, um, or, is so, um, it Krista Freeman? Yeah. Am I getting the name right? Yeah. Yeah. She's, I think, because of the nature of her position and yeah, the the, the parties that were, are in play. But uh, I guess what I'm getting at is I think
1: partisan politics is a problem. I think the the problem is twofold, that you have kind of wealthy people controlling the system and you have partisan politics where... Basically, people are walk the party line or they don't don't do it, you know, or or don't do it at all.
0: What's the rule with whipped votes? Like what's the idea with that? So
1: the idea behind whipped votes is that um, your power as an you know, as an electable person comes from the fact that you are in a party caucus. So if I'm a liberal, Right. My ability to get elected comes from the fact that I can stick liberal on my posters. I am Andy right. Fillmore running for the liberal party. Um, so when my vote is whipped, basically they're saying vote this way or you're no longer a liberal. Like you're kicked out. You're going to be an independent. And, and you'll s- lose all of the. backing. Yeah. So when I run them. again, I'm running Andy Fillmore as an independent. Right. Right. And so people are going to be like, why would I vote for an independent? They're not part of a party. They can't do they don't have any power um so, so your whipped, whipped vote basically is like you payback. have to yeah you have to vote this way because we let you we financed it. you and yeah we gave you our name we gave you the ability to get elected because people you know wanted to elect a liberal and they both vote, they voted for justin trudeau and they elected you because of that so you do what we say and what what that essentially amounts to is like you don't have representatives you just have a uh, one person in power who's doing everything, and you see this in the states too, where you know they kind of go with the party lines. The you know the Senate and the and the House are supposed to be balances for the president, regardless of whether or not they're in the same party. Yet they just follow party lines and and do that. And so,
0: I mean, they're not even supposed to. They're supposed to have more power than the president. Like, there's been a lot of changes in the states over the last few decades with the president's office getting a lot more executive power. Yeah, absolutely. Like, the president's not supposed to be as big of a character as is presented. No, absolutely. Um, So, understandably,
1: people are upset. And they're looking at their options and saying, well, what am I supposed to do as the citizen who disagrees with this and... Who didn't? Who either didn't vote for this person or um, voted for this person, and they're not doing what I want them to be doing? What 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 is what is my role now? What can I do? And I think that's where we stand with a lot of this stuff. It's it's how do we as the private citizens go about changing this stuff? And sometimes it's even just forcing the issue to get attention in, in some cases
0: i remember um like there was a lot of um conflict with the uh the vote was it last summer for the teachers bill like to force them to get back to work yeah and i think that that kind of followed the same idea right like with like that i assume that was a whipped vote by the Liberal Party
1: yeah so I mean there were this is a Nova Scotia thing yeah there I can't were remember I said that. people um, so one of the um, I want to say she was the education minister at the time but I'm not sure anyway was a former teacher and she was literally in tears as she voted for the teachers to be like sent back to work basically yeah um, and you say like what are you doing Like, it's more important to be a liberal than it is... To be a representative. Yeah, than to represent your constituents and your beliefs. And so you say there's a fundamental problem with our system if that's the way that, if that's what's happening. You know, um, your interests as a representative are not of your constituents, are not of your beliefs if this is what it comes down to. If you're crying as you vote because you still so, you so passionately disagree with what you're voting for, then evidently there's a problem. Yeah. And like obviously there's a need for parties because um, you know, basically you'll get them naturally, right? People will say like, well, let's just get a bunch of people that agree with certain ideas to come together so we can have like a voting block and and push things through, push through our agenda. Um and so you, there's no way to kind of get rid of that. That'll happen naturally. But it's gone way too far. And people have lost their voice in government. And that's the problem because, you know, as you were saying, four years is too soon. I think that, I don't think that's the problem. I think the fact that um, you're voting for somebody who then just does what their party tells them and not what you're telling them to do. And I think that is the issue. Because if, if you were voting for a representative who actually represented you, who listened to the, their constituents' issues and voted based on that, then that would be a totally different story than you know, because maybe, you know, in Canada, because we have first passed the votes and stuff, maybe only 30% of the riding actually voted for you. But if you're actually listening to that 30% and doing what they say, then that's different than if you're just going in and doing what your party whip tells you to do. And so I guess that is a long way of getting back to the fact that what are people supposed to do? Because you look at all these ridiculous things happening in the US, which is a great example, um, and what are people supposed to do? You know, they say, they either say, I voted for Trump and he's doing stuff that I disagree with or I didn't vote for Trump and I was in the majority of the, the populace who didn't vote for Trump and this is
0: ridiculous. So what are you supposed to do? There is a comment I read on um, somewhere. It was on an article. Michael Moore said something about getting a million people to march about some legislation or whatever. Um, But someone commented, like, if you could get a million people together to do a protest, if you showed those million people up to one of those representatives' office, not like Washington, not like to workplace, but like their like office in hometown or whatever. It's gonna be more effective because like that's the person whose mind you need to change, right? That's a scary idea, a million to one. No, <laughs> but absolutely. Like, is like, that the kind of like where again? I guess it's like it's protest, so technically it's civil, but like it's uncomfortable, right? And so, um, where is this? is there a line should there obviously there should be a line like we don't want to go into anarchy to burn the system down you know we don't
1: want like i'm a firm believer that that violence isn't going to win you anything you know violence begets violence and it it doesn't solve any problems it just creates more violence and, and hatred um but sometimes you look at it and you say like well what are the other choices like what are the options here um
0: there was actually uh, this make me think. I there was a podcast about the history of gun control or yeah, gun control and stuff in um, I think I sent yeah. It was like the NRA the yeah the beginnings of the the modern NRA, and there were uh, a set of lawyers who had a plan for how they could get gun control to the Supreme Court. They just needed someone who fell in this particular category so they could challenge the law. Right. So they, they had, it wasn't just, you know, like yelling and parades and stuff like that. They had a tactical plan of like, if we can get someone who has had this thing violated, or we can argue that this thing has been violated their second amendment, right. In this particular district, then we know that we can get this case heard in the Supreme court. And that's what ended up happening. Um, so there, there's a tactical element about how to apply the challenge to the law, uh, not just how do we make noise and get people to listen. And so, it's like some of this, like question of like civility, and you're talking about like violence and stuff like that too. And now I'm thinking about like the Occupy Wall Street movement. Like it kind of really does make sense why these individuals pop up to lead these movements because like people people are willing to do stuff for a movement but they don't necessarily know what to do right like they can feel passionate about things Say, i want this to change i have no idea how to change it like i mean we're asking that question right now right right and so sometimes you get these people who are i don't know charismatic enough or have just the right interpretation of the message that needs to get delivered at that time to garner the support
1: well and i mean in that respect trump was in a sense one of those people right he was a demagogue who rose up and said oh you know i am i'm your protest vote i am anti establishment I'm, I'm this and that and that is what a, a populist is really they're the protest vote um and and i i think protest votes are something that we should touch on because so many people will get angry about an issue and then vote against that issue you know vote for a party that doesn't really stand for that issue or or go in and uneducated and and vote and you know all sorts of different things or just say oh well you know nobody cares so i'm not going to vote at all Um, or, you know, in the case of of Hillary and Trump, where people were just like, oh, they're they're both the same, so who cares, right? It's like, I don't know if that would have been the case. Um, So I think that there is an onus on us as democratic citizens to be more engaged in the system. And I understand that it's very difficult because life is so, so distracting and it takes so much effort to understand um, something. something. But even just, you know, it, it takes so much effort to understand, understand all of the, the nuances that, that go into, into these policies and all that stuff. But, but even just, just looking into, into the one issue that you're most passionate about and seeing it, um, who stands, stands for, for that and and voting for them, them. Um, and and, and just, just making sure you vote is, is a form of protest um, in a democratic society. And I feel like people don't exercise that nearly enough
0: i mean the idea of the vote in a democratic society it kind of is like you're overthrowing the government every four years right it
1: really is <laughs> like it,
0: you know in canada you dissolve parliament like
1: everybody's job ends right and when when the election is called and you say you know election it's called you're all fired and we're re-electing everybody you know so everything is up for grabs um which is kind of crazy when you think about it that way but uh yeah i mean i i think that is that's something that you know and obviously when it comes to a situation like civil rights or women's suffrage or something where these people literally didn't have the ability to vote that's that's totally different Um, because you need to do something else you can't vote but i think there is a power and and this is coming from a privileged position mind you like i am you know a straight white male um it makes it's a lot easier for me to say that um
0: that being said i
1: think there's all there should always be impetus to vote and and that your vote can have a lot of power if you wield it correctly
0: well, I was always of the mindset that your voice has more power than your vote, right? Because your vote is—it's literally one vote, but with enough charisma, I guess, or whatever, or a good enough message, you can turn your one vote into many votes. Uh, and then I guess at some point you're just running for office. Yeah, and, and I. <laughs>
1: but you know that's a problem too that that people people are. Good people don't run for office because they don't want to be involved in the system. They look at it and they're like, "Oh, look at those politicians! They're just a bunch of slimy, you know, human beings who are who are controlled by a bunch of rich people behind the scenes." Why would I want to have anything to do with that? Um, and then we end up in the situations that we're in because you just get a bunch of uh, dynastic politicians who parents were politic were 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 politicians and then they just, you know, keep going and, and nothing ever changes.
0: So if you kind of push this whole thing to the extremes, like to revolution, you that kind of comes about when like your everyday your your average citizen will say, uh their livelihood begins to get affected, right? Like the the mass of people starts to feel whatever a change is and that's generally when revolution will happen right you hit that breaking point but there are many people who are not in that average who are at those breaking points already there's just not as many of those voices out there right and so there's also this um this message of like the moderate uh person who when one of these issues presents itself or whatever that people feel are beginning to feel really passionate about and are trying to get like a movement behind and things like that but there's it's not everyone's voice it's just some people's voice is that my phone yeah i thought it died um hold on Oh, we've got a. a <laughs> we're joined by a guest. Okay, sorry for that abrupt break. <clears throat> um, there's a third person on the podcast now. Hopefully, he stays quiet. Um, sorry. The point I was just trying to get at was in this kind of discussion about um, like people getting disenfranchised with represent, representation, like in in the political aspect or whatnot. When it's affecting a smaller, like, a minority of the population, then there's, like, an internal sort of abrasiveness that starts happening with, amongst the people, right? Of, why are you so mad this thing is, like, this thing you're saying either isn't happening or it's not as bad as what you say it is. Um, like, the this idea of, like, the... <laughs> hey, buddy. This idea of, like, the moderate or whatever, right? Like, and... That calls into question this whole idea of like civility and protest and what is like the right way to to express that something is wrong. Uh, and I get like that's kind of that like that question is kind of what brought on the idea of like doing this kind of episode of like what does history tell us I guess about what we're supposed to do now or what people are supposed to do now if it's not something that is directly affecting us. But, like, we care about the people who it is affecting. There's also a cat crapping in the room right now. (laughs) There's a lot of noise. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of... I guess that that sort of leads to that question, right? And that's what we're hoping to do that episode for. Of, like, what does history say is the best way... Well, maybe that's almost two questions. What's the most effective way and what is the way that we think still preserves the idea that we live in this like particular type of stable country or stable system country is not really the right word. So it could be provincial or otherwise. Does that make sense? That kind of framing?
1: I mean, I think that
0: that talking about the moderate
1: in that framework is a very interesting thing to do because for us, it may be a civilized world and, and a you know Aww. a well functioning yeah, you agree with me, don't you, buddy um a well functioning democracy, but for a lot of people, it's not
0: right Braden's... but I'm sorry. i am sorry I didn't think he would be talking, yeah, let's see he just sit here and be quiet.
1: he's just drooling and <laughs> doing baby things. It's a great time, um. Yeah, but but for a lot of the population, you know, even you know, fifty percent of the population, so women have it harder than men, um, and there are a lot of things that are stacked against them. You know, you're born with a different chromosome, and suddenly your life is completely different, and you have a whole system stacked against you. Um, and they might not feel the same way that you and I do about the civility of the world or if your skin color is different or if you're an immigrant or all of these things they would feel differently about the level of civility and the level of of well functioning in the system um and so i guess my question is you know as as the least affected people really um or some of the the least affected people i guess we're not super rich but as those people we don't really feel the the true level of of injustices within our system um so how can we properly comment on this
0: yeah i mean i guess that's maybe that's that's like that's another new question right like uh how is that cat still? Uh, he's like, in the he's going to every <laughs> centimeter of that litter
1: box and just scraping it up. I, I don't, don't think he's pooped, pooped yet. Well, that's a she. Sorry, I because I, she name, has a man name. Yeah, yeah she, her man name confuses me. Yeah. <sighs> um. Oh, now she's just spraying it on the floor.
0: Sorry, right. the carpet's getting yeah, it's true. Removed it's tomorrow. To um. Yeah, like that's a really interesting question, right? Because. You see a lot of people like oh my god the world's terrible now like it's on fire everything's going to hell but like for a lot of people it always has been on fire it always was going to hell it's never gotten any better well and, and or maybe for certain ca- people it has gotten better as everyone else is thinking things are falling apart the people who are
1: saying the world's on fire everything's
0: going to hell it's
1: not necessarily that their lives are particularly affected by these policy decisions they're just it's being shoved in their face for the first time perhaps you know mm-hmm. they're just saying like you know um, what's a good example? I'm trying to think of, of a, a good example of something. No, dude, that's not a good example. That That's nonsense. Nice try. Um, but you know, like, uh, like, like civil rights or something doesn't necessarily, doesn't directly affect me. So, um, I'm not going to see that in the same way that, that somebody, who would be affected by that would right. Yeah. Um, Or, or pay equity or things like like that. Um, So I think that
0: that changes the conversation. I think, uh, or I'm hoping that we'll learn uh, some good perspectives, I suppose, on this. And it's almost, it would almost be kind of interesting take to see what, we think we can come up with as an idea and then like maybe we can get someone more well-versed in these kinds of things on the show to be like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Like here's this other thing. You know what I mean? I think from our perspective and
1: from the, the the person who um, isn't necessarily in the position to feel the weight of these policy decisions, the best thing you can do is just listen to people and believe their stories just because you don't experience something doesn't mean that it's not happening to other people. Empathy is a hell of a drug. Well, that's the thing. And, and go one step further and say, okay, how can I help this process? What can I do to make this better for you? Because my life's already pretty, pretty decent. So what can I do to make things better for you? Um, you know, because a lot of policy decisions if you're kind of an upper middle class person in in some cases you know there are policy decisions that you might disagree with that might actually benefit you in some way financially or whatever um but you have to say like what is who is this hurting and and do i care about these people and you should the answer should be yes and and so what can you do to make their lives better and, and, you know, just sitting on your butt and saying and complaining is not going to solve anything. Um, so actively listening and and reaching don't out. just retweet. <laughs> yeah. Actively listening and, and reaching out and believing their stories, saying, OK, I agree with you. This is an issue. So what do we do? You know, what is what does someone in my position do to help you? Um because I think in so many cases you'll have somebody just sit there and say like either brush it off and say that oh, you know that doesn't happen to me so it doesn't happen or say yeah that sucks.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think he's he's calling the episode now. Yeah. But I think that was that was a pretty good little intro bit. Um. I agree. And yeah, I think this could be a pretty like what we find could be pretty interesting for this. I think. Um. So maybe we can try that for. I guess it would be released two weeks from now would be the idea. Yeah. See what we can do about trying to have that in case there's a couple weeks somewhere near the end of the month where I will be out of town for a while. So I don't know. We'll try and work it around. Yeah. That we'll see what we can and, do. Um, And yeah. um, Yeah. I think that was, it's got a lot more questions. I think where, where I want to look for answers sort of for that. I agree. Um, well, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, you know, a would say it's a little different, but like, I don't know if it's really any different. And I don't know if it's, I don't know what the normal is anymore. That's so, a good point, yeah. <laughs> um, feedback and uh, questions, concerns, whatever, or input, or like, if you have sources or things you want us to check out, please don't be a book as big as Capital in the 21st Century. But, you know, if there's like anything in particular, um, you think we kind of help in these kinds of um, conversations or episodes i know we also want to do an episode later in the fall about the legalization of marijuana so there's another topic of future stuff that we're looking at and same thing if there's sources for that kind of stuff that you want us to check out to include in things um we will you know certainly take that feedback i guess that's probably a good way to like if we know that we're gonna do certain episodes down the road, yeah, send us we should feedback. we should definitely kind of keep that. And where do they send, send us, us their feedback. feedback? That would be at uh, baconfruitpodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, I do believe um, on Twitter at baconfruitworld. Uh, I am at b from baconfruit on the twitters, uh, and maybe also Instagram. I can't remember now. I don't know what our Instagram account is it's for the show.
1: Baconfruit podcast. I'm pretty sure.
0: On Instagram, okay, yeah. uh, and you are at Patrick R. Fortier on Twitter. That's sure It is true. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the baby. Just... Does not yet have a Twitter, uh, so you can't follow him. And um, I well, think that's everything, he, right?
1: His his if he could tweet the things he he would say would be enlightening. <laughs>
0: Use voice to text yeah. for doing his tweet.
1: <laughs> That'd be pretty good. I wonder what. A
0: google would come up with oh my god all right thank thank you for being a guest on the show little one uh thanks pat thanks listeners um and uh hopefully you know you'll find what we're gonna be trying to do here anyway from here on in the future interesting uh and um thanks for for listening and i can't remember what i usually i'm not say. telling
1: you because i hate it so crap
0: all right well you'll hear us next time oh
1: that's what you say and It's the worst. <laughs> it. Ah.
0: I forgot. I love instinct. It's an incredible thing. (laughs) Cheers.